Hello, welcome to TBC Equipped. We are a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Norman, Oklahoma, designed as another resource to help equip Christians to engage with others and evangelize the world with the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. My name is Curtis Winkle. I'm here with Ryan Polk and Ronnie Rogers, pastors at Trinity. And uh, we are here on video for the first time. Uh, if you're interested, this is also being podcasted as well. So you can find it on, on Apple and Spotify and Google and listen to the audio version. Uh, but we're excited to, to do this in video. We're going to try this out and see how it goes. So uh, our subject for today has to do with information, information overload. Um, as Christians uh, go about their day, they're inundated with, with messages and information, and it's, it's uh, literally in your pocket um, these days. So we wanted to talk about that, think about... Um, Man, how do we how do we uh, take information? How much is healthy? Some of those things. So I'm just going to bounce it off you two guys, if that's all right, um, and see where it takes us. So the information age, Ryan, kind of the you know knowledge worker, second half of the 20th century. Can you just uh, talk about that? Define that term a little bit. What does what does information age mean? Yeah, I don't know if it's a good definition. Yeah, I go back to like uh, Neil Postman amusing ourselves to death and like some of the transitions he gives but just i think the idea that we're trying to catch on is just the absolute sheer volume of information wherever you turn uh it's there whether you're at work on your computer you carry it around in your phone just you know i mean even phrases that have changed our entire lives like i mean you ask a question and no one in the room knows the answer what do we do google it up you know we're gonna we constantly live in that deal to where we're just never separated from access to it uh So many cable stations, so many different ways to stream information. So it's just always there. And uh, some of it really good and some of it great and helpful. And then some of it can be really devastating. So I was reading something recently about even processing and how how we need time as human beings to to process information. And that's really hard when you continually have the the fire hydrant open. Uh, So, Ronnie, that's one challenge. What are some other challenges maybe that, that you faced or others you've seen face uh, because of this age we live in? Well, I mean, uh, the, the great thing about the time in which we live is it is the information age. <clears throat> so things I find uh, in a matter of moments or seconds, it took hours before I had a computer and before we really lived in this age. If you go back before that, it took longer. But, I mean, I've spent hours and days looking at something that now I can do in minutes or an hour. The, the bad part of this time is that we have so much information. So the good is the bad, the bad is the good. Right. And one of the things you have to do when you have an overabundance of anything is you have to first make a decision that you're not going to uh, ha- not have a plan. In other words, if you wake up in the morning to go to work and you know, take care of your family, but you've made, made, made no plan on information then really what you are is kind of a tennis ball being blown about by whatever comes across your phone, whatever somebody tells you. And so I think, you know, we ought to have some kind of plan. What kind of information do I want today? Yeah. Because it's there. And I, I think about, uh, you know, we talk about computers and everything, but just think about books. If you read books and then you pause for just a second of how many books there are in the world, how many you can choose from. So if you just choose a book, you could waste your whole life if you just chose a book every day. So you have to be strategic. What do I want to learn? What do I need? What information would I like to have? 
So make the information your servant rather than you just being the object of all the information hitting you and you're just kind of bouncing around. That is kind of a crazy thing. It's not just that there's a an abundance of information, but it's like every different medium, there's an abundance mm-hmm. of information within mm-hmm. each one of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so that plan, that's really good. Yeah, I read something recently that had to do with marketing, but it said uh, people on Google are busy, uh, people on social media are bored. So on social media, they're mm-hmm. scrolling through uh, again, not really usually right. don't have a plan for right. it they're just looking for something to yeah. engage them in some way right yeah. whether intellectually or emotionally you know positive or negative um so personally you know talking about this season since you know march 12th or so mm-hmm. my intake i think <laughs> skyrocketed at least for mm-hmm. for four to six weeks um as i looked at charts and yeah. you know trying to find the right information about what's going on with uh with covid 19 uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in that. Um, so I was struck recently, I read an article by Andy Crouch, who's a Christian thinker and author, and, and his article was titled, On the News, and the subtitle was, In Times of Apparent Crisis, We Need Less News, Not More. Uh, Ronnie, we'll start with you. Do, you. do you agree with that statement? Well, they do say the importance of the decision related to the importance of a decision, the amount of information you actually need is inverted. In other words, you would think you need more information, but you actually need less. Like, for example, if if another country was attacking us and dropping bombs right now, we don't need a lot of information. Right. And so I I think there's a lot of truth in that. And Mm -hmm. when you go into a crisis, though, whether it's localized, like if we had a flood here, or it's nationalized or internationalized like COVID-19, there's an enormous amount of information, and particularly at the beginning, and some of it's in error and some of it's not, but it's not all intentionally in error. Most of the people are trying to give the right stuff. It's just we're all dealing with fragmentary knowledge at that time. There is that balance, too, of, like, you need to be informed. But, you know, I I think we talked the other day, and you were even saying, like, sometimes I just have to turn it off. And take a break because it's just it can be overwhelming yeah it's an interesting thing uh, and and so I, at different times I watch the news more and I have certain people that I watch there again I don't just let it run there are certain people because I think they handle it better they're more measured and so forth mm-hmm. but so so right now I'm watching an hour a day at the most that's all I'll watch but I have gone for weeks at a time and not watched any news at all. And it's an interesting phenomenon that you, so you, you go along and you, you watched it, let's say on the first, and you didn't watch any more until the 25th, and you turn it on on the 25th, and it is re- remarkable how it seems like you haven't missed anything. Right. Because news is very repetitive. Yeah. And things are not changing as fast as we think they are. They're just a different cog in that theme. So I, I go a week and sometimes two weeks and I listen to news because it can have a very deleterious impact on you spiritually, emotionally, and everything else. So I, I decide how much I want depending on what's going on. Now, do you read during that time? If you're not watching, do you read some? Or I read, yeah, all the time. Uh, news, I mean? Uh, a, a little, yeah. and again, I'm real selective yeah. what what I do and yeah. stuff. But a lot of times, I'm absorbed in other types mm-hmm. of studies that I think are more important 
And so again, I'm selecting where I'm going to put that time and what information I'm going to take in. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie, what would you say, like, or, or help us with this a little bit? So if we, if we kind of go from the assumption that we're always being discipled by something. Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, how do we, I don't know how to ask the question, but maybe, you know, Christians who struggle with watching news or, or their intake, but it's always in those areas. So it's like, yeah, they'll have a devotion, but it's 15 minutes in the morning, but they're going to end up watching when they, by the time you factor in the time they spend on social media or Facebook or they watch the news, I mean, it's two or three hours maybe yeah. over here. What kind of impact is that going to have, and how do they maybe try to get those a little more in balance? I think that's the, you know, that's kind of the key of, of deciding what information you want to come in, because the information that comes in, it does affect you. It affects you emotionally, spiritually. You think about it, you worry more. You can become more fearful, you know, based on what you're watching. And, and I've even noticed when I, so right now I'm doing a lot of study and writing and cultural Marxism and stuff, and I've expressed this to um, some of my family. And when I'm doing that, I find that I'm very tense and very geared and, and it's just very stressful. And then I have another book I'm working on on prayer and I can shift and the next day study that. And really I'm like, I'm in another world and I'm, I'm not stressed. I don't have any emotional things. I'm not thinking about you know, some cataclysmic event. So just even in your, what you uh, study, what you do as a devotional, that affects you. Even if it's something you need to do, you still need to understand, is this information that I have to have and that is it something that's, it may be contributing to upsetting you. Just, I, I just think about this real quick. So it would be hard to imagine in America, if you're a thinking person, that you don't find that nationally we are still in the COVID time and then we have anarchy going on in the streets across the United States that that doesn't somehow place a cloud of stress upon yeah. our lives and uncertainty and concern that let's just go back uh, January of this year wasn't there right we had other things but this is like a cloud that's hanging over us and we still have all the other things mm-hmm. and things that are way beyond our control, right? I mean, there are some small steps we could right. take in some directions, but you know, later in that, that Crouch article I mentioned, he says, uh, at times like these, what we see on the news is less informative than ever. The infinite scrolling will give you short video after another of people breaking windows, protesting, and various kinds of police response. Uh, but all these will be selected and edited to capture moments, often extremely brief and isolated, uh, and then often with violence. Uh, it says, even when such urgency and violence is widespread and representative, though that's often not the case, watching more than one of such videos tells you nothing new, mm-hmm. right? To what you were saying earlier. Yeah. I could watch it on the 15th or the yeah. 5th and the 20th. I'm not learning anything new. Yeah. It's very cyclical what's going on. Um, but that scrolling and seeing those yeah. things back to back to back, maybe not in the moment. I've noticed this with some of the anxiety I've dealt with it doesn't always happen when I'm reading the thing or watching the thing but there's a cumulative effect that later that night you know I'm not sleeping or in two weeks I'm not uh you know not able to focus or or something like that so certainly uh it it has an effect on us whether we realize it or not I think I think it's Marvin Olasky when he was writing a deal for for world about that that talked about one thing that we have to make sure that we discern is that the news is definitely trying to inform us so that's a good thing 
but they're also trying to capture your attention as they inform. And so I was even, you know, we don't hardly ever watch the local news, you know, but, you know, we had it on the other night and it just comes on, you know, there was like a murder in Oklahoma City. Well, and that was tragic. It's awful. But it wasn't like there were thousands of murders that day. But the way that it was built up and lit, led into was like, you know, this was just this event that, you know, everyone needs to be worried about kind of deal. And it was a very, you know, rare incident. So, you know, that deal about they are informing, which is helpful, but they are capturing your attention by the some of the extremes and and all of that stuff. And so we've seen it with like how people try to filter through and, and discern about even COVID news. You know, there COVID news is important. We got to keep up, yeah. but there, there is a lot of data to interpret and a lot of layers of the data and the meaning. And right. Ronnie talks about this a lot. I find it really helpful that, you know, we'll see something and then we'll immediately run to causation. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult. You know, like just because X and Y have happened yeah. right. doesn't mean we necessarily can discern the why based on those things. And that becomes even more, uh, right. more difficult to discern, I think. Another thing I would add to that, you know, we talked about, you know, in the information you're taking in, uh, what do you want, you know, and but but also uh, just the genre or the kind. So news, I think everybody recognizes news is primarily negative. It is problems. It is a death. It's not something that wonderful happened to this individual or this family. You're not going to get that. So I, I think I mentioned the other day, I said I would really like to see some newscasters interviewing people who have lost everything in the riots rather than just constantly seeing pictures of right. rioting and on and I'd like to listen to the people. So I just went and found some people and listened to what they said. Now, it's still sad, but it's a very different uh, perspective. But news yeah. by its nature is discouraging, right. generally speaking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've thought about that with uh, with even just my intake currently. Yeah. I've tried. I'm not very good on the phone. Right, mm-hmm. I've never been a big phone person making phone calls. My father-in-law is excellent at this. Yeah. Every every Saturday, he's got friends that he calls, and so I've tried to get better at that because I've noticed uh, the more I have a conversation mm-hmm. with someone, um, you know, you touch on the hard things, but you also yeah. touch on fun stuff. And, yeah. and man, those, you know basic thing but we are all relational people i think that's very good for our our mental health right now yeah Yeah, you know i think i think one of the great services that we sometimes ignore today for me anyway are some of these people on uh, facebook or twitter who capture funny things and they put it on there and it gets retweeted and so here you are you know you're you're doing whatever you're doing and then all of a sudden there's just this hilarious thing going on in front of you and you just out loud you know maybe you're in your office or at home or in the kitchen and and you just out loud start laughing so i think they're doing this a great service yeah. and when i see those things i gravitate to them because i like a break of laughter in right. the middle of everything yeah we actually had a lady say that the other day about she was so glad services had started about, she goes, I haven't laughed with people like in in this deal. I thought that was a really interesting out of all the things are going on. And that would be very important, you know, that we're back to services and worship and all this stuff that one of the things that she missed was just the normal laughing. Laughing at Randy probably. Probably. I mean, that's (laughs) that's the assumption. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's pivot just a little bit and talk about maybe some of those sources and, and how to discern what to listen to. So, uh, I'll frame it this way. So as a American people, um, rebellion and distrust of authority is kind of 
baked into who we are, right, as a country, as an idea. And so um, how do we as Christians uh, recognize that? Um, and is that a sort of a Christian attitude to have in terms of, you know, thinking about Romans 13 and trusting authorities? Are those against each other? How do we, how do we balance those? How do we think about those? It's a hard question. Yeah, just just real quick, handle that that yeah, big right. thing. Well, well, the Romans thirteen plays into it, and so there 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 has to be some trust in the government, but we as Christians should trust them and not naively. We don't think they can answer everything. Uh, when I find that some someone is corrupt, it doesn't surprise me because I believe in the depravity of man. Our founders set up a a very cumbersome system to protect from that because right. a king becomes a king, a person becomes a king then his evilness can uh, come from the highest level to the lowest level in one command. But it can't happen with us. So that, that there are all of these flaws and different things, I think we look at it realistically. I, I just think if you watch the news, you, what you hear is that without measure, you hear the bad. So, we, I mean, you have to, sometimes we get real parochial. We're only looking at our situation. So, so in America, I mean, there's all kind of problem and we can, you know, lay all those out and they're very serious. They're not lightweight. However, if you take us and compare us to the Soviet Union or what's going on in China or what's going on in Venezuela, then it looks a little different. And so sometimes we can get so parochial, so localized. So you just have to back away and say, you know, this is what could be going on this is what i mean we think we go through things and we see the news and so we have covid and we have these other riots but in the 60s there were riots i mean they were they were massive and all kinds of destruction and if you go back before that there was the dust bowl so there have been crisis after crisis so this is a crisis i think we do can call it that but it's not the only it's not the first and whatever happens as christians we come through it but we want to do our part, so we just can't let it defeat us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read some interesting things like a 17, 1740s, 1750s, like a smallpox outbreak. You know, they were talking like in the Northeast, like some some small towns in the Northeast, like they didn't go to church for yeah. like five or six months. Right. Like no no one was doing that. And then reading some stuff that Luther wrote even during the, uh, the plague, you know, how they would. So you think back, well, I mean, 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, the church survived and, yeah. you know, all this going on. So history helps a little bit, too, you know, that... It makes you not so local. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, if you have a bad day, you think the world's coming to an end until you realize everybody has a bad day and people are having worse days than you. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll see somebody... I have a dear friend, been in a wheelchair for many, 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 many years, has to have somebody with him all the time. Well, he does more work to get ready somewhere, to go somewhere than many of us do in a day. Yeah. So it can kind of put things in perspective. You know, Chris brought up the issue of, like, sources and stuff, and, and it's, it's difficult, like, trying to discern that. You know, I, I was telling him earlier as we were even prepping for this, thinking about that verse in Chronicles about, you know, the men of Issachar who understood the times with the knowledge of what to do. And so, you know, like, we're living in a day to where it's not just that we have so much information, but, like, things that would be good, like news. You can choose from a thousand different places to get news. But then there's always, it seems like on both sides, always these fringes that are always pushing, you know, we might call them conspiracy theories or things like that. Uh, what do you think, how should Christians approach those types of things? And maybe even how do you categorize what falls into that? Like what, what is a conspiracy theory? Because we've got them now with 
really with you look at the big cultural things right now right covid yeah. the black lives matter the the all this stuff some of it's straight reporting here's what's happening and then a lot of it's like well here's why or here's yeah. kind of this they did it with you know talking about the deep state and all right. this stuff you know so how do, how do we kind of navigate that and not be naive and maybe believe everything but also not just dismiss yeah well to uh, for full disclosure i'm not a real fan of conspiracy theories and a couple of reasons i we've i've had these discussions with my daughters and different ones and they'll hear of some theory and and one of the reason is because there are so many things that can explain all of this without a conspiracy in other words i don't have to have people going under some code name on the dark web that we can't prove that's them to explain why this evil's going on and and like the deep state for example uh, so someone would make that a conspiracy theory but if you understand the way the system works that they elect this president and the bureaucracy grows bigger and when he leaves office they stay then the next guy comes in well when you've done that for decades what you have is a president coming in probably whoever it is but i would say i would guess more against the conservative but when they come in they have a bureaucracy here that wants them to fail so it'd be like a football coach coming to ou and the team he can't do anything about the team and they don't like him and they want the last guy back so they're going to make him look bad and he can't get rid of a player he can't move him around he's just stuck with it so there's there's ways and then other thing about a conspiracy theory is and all of them whether you go back to kennedy or anything else besides all these ideas that that there isn't evidence for that's that's objective the other thing is that you can i can create a conspiracy theory uh, by taking or conspiracy yeah, conspiracy theory by taking the facts some of the facts around events and the bigger the event and so forth the more facts there are to deal with so let's just say it's an event that if you knew everything if you were god there are a thousand facts out of that you can create 50 different at least 50 different conspiracy theories because a conspiracy theory does not deal with all the facts and so i tell my daughters and others i'd say you know they say well what about uh sorrels doing this i don't have to have a conspiracy theory there are enough facts and evidence of his views what he's supporting what he's pushing and that's enough to deal with so if we if we get caught up in conspiracy theories sometimes you're not helping address the facts that we know are there yeah. and we can change to me they just seem really um i i don't know this may be a jump but it's kind of similar to me to people who approach the bible and they want the code that's exactly you know what the, it is. it's that's like exactly you've got this plain meaning on the text right. that's difficult enough right. to understand and study but there's always more you know right. and and so it almost puts a uh, at least with me and i struggle with this at times i mean because it is somewhat scintillating, you know, like it's a clickbait, it's a headline uh, of these things. And and I think we're drawn to that maybe in our flesh to some degrees, but it really creates like a culture of distrust, Mm -hmm. not giving the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. always, always thinking that there's double motives or things going on that, I mean, as believers, it just seems really contra what we should be doing in regards to people. And Frankly, most of them end up in slander, don't they? I mean, at some place, I mean, they're hurting someone, you know, or, or, or saying things that we don't know to be true. Well, the thing you mentioned about the Bible is a great example because numerology and all of these other approaches. So the idea is that God has done this 
and he's hidden it from everybody. And so we're kind of spending all our time on this Jesus loves the world and we're supposed to witness. But really there's this deeper thing going on that God's allowed certain people to come in and understand. And so numbers mean all of these different things. And that's where you kind of get the Gnostic heresy is that there's this special knowledge that these people have gained. And what it does is it distracts you from the message of the Bible. Yeah. It just, and that's what I was mentioning here. So someone will bring something up and they'll tell me all these things. I say, yeah, but the facts that I know and I can prove answer all the problems and I can actually deal with them. What you've just laid out, I don't know if it's true or not. Right. So it's exactly right. It distracts you from what we can know and deal with. Yeah, sure. Let's, I'll finish this off here. When we talk about kind of all that we've talked about, it seems to center on this idea of discernment, which mm-hmm. we've touched on here and there. Do you guys have any tips or help, you know, ways that maybe Christians can grow in the area of discernment, taking the Bible at face value, those kinds of things? Well, I mean, I think two things. One is just, I mean, and I've struggled with this, so uh, my intake is really important to me now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've noticed that, that. I mean, Ronnie mentioned it earlier. Like, what comes in affects me, whether I'm realizing it at the moment or not. And so I used to be, you know, get home, watch news all night, basically. And I've had to really back that down. So yeah. and that's not a discernment of, like, true, false, and all that. That's just a discernment of knowing what I need that's spiritually harmful to me. If I, if, And I would imagine it would be true. I mean, I, I'm sure it's true the other way, too. If I just sat and watched sports nonstop— that's going to affect me spiritually as well. Sure. So just trying to get more, you know, I, I don't want it to get to the end of the day and I've read more Facebook or watch more news than I've spent time with God. Yeah. And I think that's really easy to do. And back to the thing I said earlier, just about, I don't want to be discipled by anybody other than the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that intake, there's a great book that uh, Tim Challies wrote called The Spiritual Art of Discernment. And he really links it to like a spiritual habit that we're developing this. And the only way you can do that is through the scripture, mm-hmm. you know, constantly getting the scripture. So it's a trite answer, maybe, you know, like nothing earth shattering, but we need to, as believers, I think, to be spending a lot more time with God and his word. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say the same thing just very briefly. I think, you know, we talk about wisdom and we talk about discernment. Both of those are the result of spending time in scripture. And it's not just what you think you need for the day, though I think there's clearly a place for that. But I'm talking about just studying the scripture. And you, so you see no way this uh, applies to your day-to-day. But God's not just worried about today. You may run into something next week, and it does. So what's happening is it's changing your mind. It's changing the way you think. So discernment flows out of your knowledge and time with God, and so does your wisdom. All yeah. wisdom is, when we're talking about biblical wisdom, is is the application of the scripture to a particular event. Well, if you don't know the scripture, then you're not going to be wise according to God. It is the scripture that makes one wise. And the same way with discernment. Sometimes, I remember when I went through Criswell, so I had a theology degree, and then I went to graduate school, which is secular, and all in secular counseling and psychology. So, so I, I'd, and I had studied for several years on my own. But there were things coming up, and I remember I didn't know what was wrong. I could not lay it out, but I knew something was wrong. Hmm. I knew something. And some of that, over the next several years, I'd be studying. I'd go, there it is. I got it. Sometimes it was a, a skewed view of man or our friendship or 
marriage, whatever it was, but it was just really the way it was said. It was very subtle and seductive. And so I had the knowledge to know not the answer, but that something was wrong. And I think that's discernment. Sometimes we need to be appreciative of that. I can't tell you everything, but I know that's wrong. Yeah, that's right. I think back to when we start with the information age, that may be one of the fruits of the information age is there's so much out there that we equate it with wisdom and, and just accumulating information is not the same oh, yeah, as, as being yeah. wise. Yeah, that's right. And that's a, that's a real, it may be subtle at times, but that's a danger, I think. Yeah. that important to draw the lines around our intake yeah. is kind of one of my big takeaways from our conversation yeah. so. well church we love you we hope that's helpful and uh, we'll catch you next time on tbc equipped